Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, Adonai, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and the mouth of your people, the house of Israel. May our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people, Israel. We are in chapter 3 of the book of Breshit. Isn't it great to be going so... It's like, we're, it's like we're just cruising the neighborhood. Capitulo tres, verso uno. Ahora. Now the serpent was cunning beyond any beast of the field that Adonai God had made. He said to the woman, did perhaps God say, boy, isn't that the serpent speaking today, right? Did God perhaps say, you shall not eat of any of the tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, Of the fruit of any tree of the garden we may eat. So the serpent is lying to her already. He's changing everything. He said, You can't eat of any of the, the trees. And he says, Actually, we can eat of all the trees except for this one. He says, Of the fruit of the tree which is in the center of the garden, God has said, You shall neither eat of it nor touch it lest you die. So because it was centered in the, in the center of the garden, the sages bring down that this tree, that one of Eve's problems is she thought that the biggest issue about the tree was that it was holy, it was sanctified. So therefore, you're not allowed to touch it. We're going to come back to this in a second. But verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that on the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and bad. We say to ourselves, we would never say that. And yet, we, we approve and disapprove Torah mitzvot based on what we, what we think about them, whether we think they're good or bad. And as a result, we make ourselves God. And the woman perceived that the tree was good for eating and that it was a delight to the eyes. Of course, why can't we eat uh, lobster? It looks good to the eyes. It tastes good. Lobster tastes good. Did you know that? Crawfish etouffee tastes good. If it tastes good and it, you eat it, it doesn't kill you. You eat the crawfish. Crawfish etouffee. I've had lots of it. I didn't die. Tastes good. Used to have it every year on my birthday. What, that's, that's, our, that's, that's our litmus test now? If it tastes good and doesn't kill you right away, it's okay. Right? That's what, that's what we're saying now. That's our litmus test. That is our litmus test that we have in life. God said to Adam, if you eat it, you're going to die on the day that you eat it. Adam ate, Eve ate it. She said, look, I didn't die. What God said wasn't true. God said to Adam, he said, I was talking about my day, not your day. As a result, Adam lived to be 930 years old. Seventy years was retained for his following generations. That's why man has promised at least 70 years. He said, you live a day, it's a thousand years. So because you, you partake of sin, it tastes good, you like it, you don't die right away, you're tempted to continue doing it. And he says, you're, you're missing the point here. You're dying in my day, not your days. And the woman perceived the tree was good for eating, and that was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was desirable as a, as a means to wisdom. And she took of its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband 
with her and he ate. There's a whole lot to be taught about all of this, but we're going to come back to that. Bezradashem. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. And they sewed together fig leaves and made themselves aprons. They heard the sound of Adonai God manifesting itself. Listen to this translation. This is in the art scroll Chumash. And it says, they heard the sound of Adonai God manifesting itself. God does not manifest except when he does. God's the first time that God manifested was in the garden. God manifested itself in the garden toward evening. And the man and his wife hid from Adonai God among the trees of the garden. Now notice it says that Hashem, God, manifested itself in the garden towards evening. Towards evening, like the Minka offering. Which is why Yeshua is the final Akedah. He's the Akedah of the Minka. Let me repeat that because it's important. It's a little subtle flyby. There are two lambs that are offered in the temple every day, or were offered in the temple every day. The first lamb is the Lamb of Atonement offered for the morning shakarit, and the last lamb of the day is offered in the afternoon or the evening of Minka. Isaac is the first lamb, the Akedah, the first lamb, and Yeshua is the Akedah of the final lamb, the Minka Akedah, which is why Minka is the most powerful time of prayer of the whole day, which is also why it's the hardest time to pray because people miss it a lot. God manifested in the garden at Minka time. Later he would manifest in the garden. That's The garden is Jerusalem, by the way. Did you know that? Ganadin is Jerusalem. He would manifest in the garden at Minka time. It says, And the man and his wife hid from Adonai God among the trees of the garden. Adonai God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? They hung, they, where did they hide among the trees? Why does it say trees? Because they knew that they could only found, find salvation and covering in the, a tree. But instead of hiding in the tree, they hide among the trees. They had all kinds of false messiahs. They didn't go to the tree. They went to a tree. That's why the people in the wilderness said, listen, just bring water for us from a rock. And this is why most said, can I bring water from just any rock? Doesn't it have to be the rock? And that's why he got mad and he struck the rock. They were going to just find any old tree, not realizing that there's only salvation. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. They were just trying to find a tree. They were just trying to find a denomination. They were just trying to find a religion. They were just trying to find, because all trees lead to the one tree. Alright, God called out to the man and said, Acha, this is where we have the, the, the uh, lamentations, Acha. It says, trans, Acha here is translated, where are you? In the book of Lamentations, it's translated, how could this be? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I'm naked, so I hid. And Hashem said, who told you you're naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the woman, the man said, this woman that you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. We're blaming, he's blaming the woman now. Now, the one, now we're going to learn, and we, as we go through the commentaries, we learn that both of them are equally at fault. But ultimately, the responsibility is on man. Getting a little bit ahead of myself. 
But, well, I'm going to come back to this because I want to expand it more. It says, And Hashem, God said to the serpent, I'm sorry, verse 13. I skipped verse 13. And God said to the woman, What is that that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. And Adonai, God said to the serpent, Because you've done this, accursed are you beyond all the cattle, beyond all the beasts of the field. <clears throat> Upon your belly shall you go, and dust shall you eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, and he will pound your head, and you will bite his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your suffering and your childbearing, and pain shall you bear children. Yet your craving shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. To Adam he said, because you listened to the voice of your wife and ate of the tree about which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Accursed is the ground because of you. Through suffering shall you eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall it sprout for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. But the sweat of your brow shall you eat bread until you return to the ground from which you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust shall you return. You know, man is, the woman is a helpmate to her husband so long as the husband is following a shim. If you, are, if you have a godly wife and she is a, uh, what you might consider a nagging wife and you find yourself not following a shim, that's why she's a nagging wife. As soon as you start following a shim, she'll stop being a nagging wife. Now, we're supposed to listen to the voice of our wives, but what if our wives are not doing the voice of Hashem. What if a wife is screaming at you and saying, "Out of you're crazy. I want to do Christmas. Put up a tree, put up a tree, put up a tree, put up a tree. And you say, all right, fine. I'm tired of you nagging me. I put up a tree. Shalom by eat. God says, because you ate of the tree. This is, that's where you stand up and be a man and say, I rebuke thee. I'm not going to put a tree woman says, well, your rabbi says that the house is my domain. That's only if you're a godly woman. Once you turn the house into a sanctuary of idolatry, you become the serpent, not the woman. Just saying. The man called his wife Eve, Hava, because she became the mother of all the living. Adonai, God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin. And he clothed them, and God said, Behold, man has become like the unique one among us, knowing good and bad. And now let us put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. So, Adonai, God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the sword from which he was taken. And having driven out the man, he stationed at the east of the Garden of Eden, the cherubim, the flame of the ever-turning sword, to guard the way to the tree of life. All right. Wow. Let's dive in. And uh, I want to start out with this one um, statement here, something I was about to allude to a second. I caught myself because I wanted to share the full insight, and prayerfully I'll find it here, from Rebenu Bakia. I believe it is, anyway. Where is it? Where is it? Aha, here it is. And the serpent had been sly, from uh, chapter 3 and verse 1. Rebenu Bakia says, the reason that the words... Ve'ashto in the last verse and the words ve'chanash, ve'ha-nachash, and the serpent in this verse appear side by side, is that hasatan cursed be he 
had been created together with the woman, and woman may be, may be perceived as the body, the personification of the evil urge. The evil urge is an abstract concept in order for it to become effective. It needs a body. That is, woman, or better, the first woman, became that body. Woman proved easy to mislead into sin. The numerical value of the letters in the word Hanachash is 364, allowing for one uh, to, to be added to it for the word itself, whereas the letters of the word Hasatan also add up to 364. So the word for Satan and the word for Hasatan have the same numerical value. Now, this is an interesting insight because it's saying here that the evil urge needed a body to personify. And because the woman is the weaker vessel, she's easier to lead into sin. Hasatan, cursed be he, used, as it were, the woman's body. This is why Yeshua had to come manifest as a man. In order to undo what the manifestation of evil did as a woman. This is why you have in all the pagan cults, it seems that you always, or very often you have anyway, a goddess. Isn't that interesting that it's always a goddess? should like to point out to all of us, and something that many of you already know, but there's many thousands of people who watch these lessons and they're brand new. We have to understand something that, and I'm going to go over this in great detail here from uh, Mayam Loez, that um, everything that we hate in the world, having to work for a living, failure, sin, pride, arrogance, murder, you can't, you know, you can't walk out to your car, uh, at night, maybe in certain places you're afraid you'll get mugged or whatever. All those bad things, stillborn births, all those things come about, came about because we ate something that God told us not to eat. That is such a simple yet profound thing to say because everything about our holiness begins with kosher eating. And many people have been taught, brainwashed into believing that God doesn't care to the extent. I want you to think about for a second. I know that many of us, again, have thought about this, and we, there's lots of conversations, but it's worth bringing up. If, if We've got to look at, at why pork became the centerpiece of all the festivals of Christendom. Why do we eat? I mean, I know we have turkey for Thanksgiving, but it's very common to have ham also. Why is it the, the Thanksgiving ham, and why is it the Christmas ham, and why is it the Easter ham? Why did pork, think about the antithesis of the lamb of God is the swine. The opposite of light is darkness. The opposite of lamb is swine. Isn't, isn't, isn't it interesting that that became the centerpiece, the focus? And it, pork isn't everything. And so we have here a realization that all of this death and all of this suffering and all of this bad stuff that we deal with in life all came from this incident of eating something we were not supposed to eat, the forbidden fruit. 
and there was a lot of motive behind it. But I want to go here to Ma'am Loez, and he brings down the ten curses that came on women, on women, just women, for eating something we weren't supposed to eat. These are the ten curses. And I want you to think about it as I go through these, to think the next time you think, oh, it doesn't really matter, I'm just going to go, you know what, it's just a can of tomatoes, honey, just buy it. Or that all uh, important thing that we say as Americans, I had to buy that um, non-kosher hamburger. Why? I was starving. Really? You were starving. You couldn't, you know, I mean, really, as, look, don't raise your hand. But I'm just going to tell you, nobody in this room is starving. Everybody in this room can go at least, I'm just going to say, at least 24 hours without any meal, and you will not die. I promise you. At least 24 hours. Some can go many, many days, <laughs> including yours truly. But we all say that, right? I'm starving. Lord, I had, a, I had an ox in the ditch. <laughs> what was the ox in the ditch? <laughs> I couldn't go to Shabbat. Why? My ox in the ditch was, and the sale was today. And I had to buy that thing. Otherwise, I will have to pay full price on Friday. Really? How do you know that? I'm just saying, here's the ten sins, or ten curses, rather, that came because of the sin of eating we weren't supposed to, we weren't supposed to eat. For, onto women, just women. The discomfort of menstruation, which she experiences monthly. The bleeding of a virgin. The discomfort of pregnancy during the nine months that a woman carries her child. The anguish of miscarriage. And it says here, of the stillborn child. The pains of childbirth itself. The anguish of raising children. She must nurse the child, dress it, rock it, carry it around, stay up with it throughout the night. See, before Eve ate of the fruit, you had a baby, there was no pain. The baby slept through the night, got up, and made itself breakfast. <laughs> angels help. Rebbe seen it said, angels help. And Abba, what Abba did was this. The fact that a married woman must constantly keep her head covered so that her hair uh, not be shown was all part of the fall as well. Because of the sin, sinful uh, nature of lust and everything that came, it says. The woman is subjugated to her husband. She must cook his food day and night and prepare his clothes. Her husband dominates her and she may not contradict his word. That's all part of the curse. He's the head of the house. Again, if he's holy man now. He's a, if he's a backslider and a heretic, contract his word all the time. A woman cannot testify as a witness in a Jewish court of law. And the tenth is the curse of death itself. And, of course, there's all the curses that come on men, too. We, we have our own issues. But you think about it, there's other curses that aren't, aren't even mentioned there, like aging. Like scientists say, we don't know, he, science doesn't know why we age. 
We shouldn't age. There's no reason to age. And I, I uh, am all for olive ole. I use olive ole every day. Not really. Take collagen and all that kind of stuff. It's all great. I believe in all. I take collagen. Put oil in my beard. All those kind of things. And it's still turning gray. Listen, I want to begin with um, Midrash Rabbah 19.1. Midrash Rabbah chapter 19, Simon 1. There's a verse in the letter of Yaakov in chapter 3 that is connected to this Midrash because there's nothing new in the New Testament. It says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. That's a very sobering thought. Not many of you should presume to be teachers. This, and I, and I, this is why you've got to be careful. You know, people are jumping on the Internet and they're watching all these videos from people that learned Torah five minutes ago. I mean... Some of y'all probably heard of this, but it, the, the name just, every time I hear the name of this particular thing, I just go, man, new to, new to Torah. People get on there and, and learn. Would you go to a place to learn how to fly airplanes, and the name of the airplane place is new to flying? You, you, there's your instructor. He looks like, um, you know, yeah, it looks like he's 12. You know, little Doogie Hauser, pilot guy. He's like, hey, are you ready to learn? Okay, um, we're going to get up on this aircraft today, and we're going to learn how to fly. And you're like, great. How long have you been flying? I just, start, I just got my license. I just got it. Or how do you, what if you walked on a commercial aircraft, and Doogie Hauser is standing right there? Welcome, welcome. We're flying to Israel today. <laughs> I want, I'm so excited. This is my first time ever to fly this aircraft. <laughs> He starts to go to his seat, and he goes in the lavatory door. And the flight attendant has to say, um, Captain, that's, that's the bathroom. The, your, your seat's in there. Oh, ha-ha, whoops. And yet we take Torah lessons from these kinds of people. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that you who teach will be judged more strictly. So it says in Midrash Rabbah, now the serpent was clever beyond any of the beasts of the field that Hashem and God had made. It actually says that at this time, before the fall, the, the serpent was actually king of the beasts. He stood up and walked on two legs like a man walks. It says it's written, it says in the Midrash Rabbah, it is written, for with much wisdom comes much anger, and he who adds knowledge adds pain, Ecclesiastes 1.18. This means... Through that which a person increases wisdom for himself, he increases anger upon himself. And through that which he adds knowledge, he adds pains to himself. This goes on to talk about that scholars are held to more account even for inadvertent sins. Because of their great knowledge, they should have known better, so they're not given a pass. King Solomon, who authored the book of Ecclesiastes, was saying, through that which I increase wisdom for myself, I 
increased anger of God upon myself, and through that which I added knowledge for myself, I added pain to myself. Knowledge is wonderful, and insight is great, but you have to be very cautious with it, because the more you learn, the more you're held to account for what you're learning. And then if you're teaching people, you know, they, the sages say, people ask me sometimes, they say, does, does, does uh, uh, Judaism believe in, an, in, a, in eternal hell? And yes, Judaism does. Because many people have been taught who get into the Hebrew Roots movement that there's no such thing as eternal hell. Aside from the fact that Yeshua said there was, which I think is a pretty big testimony, I'm just going to say, okay, that's remarkable. Yeshua did say you'll burn and get hit him forever. And people say, I don't believe, I don't believe in an eternal hell. Why do you believe in Yeshua? There is an eternal hell for certain people, and one of the people that is, there's an eternal hell for is the one who leads others to sin. That's why Yeshua said, it's better for a millstone to be tied around your neck than to lead one of these to sin. So it says, have you ever in your days heard one say, this donkey was affected by the cold? Or so many blisters have come upon it? Certainly not. Animals are not affected by the elements. But where indeed is suffering found, it's found coming upon people, for they are expected to guard their health since they possess a higher level of intelligence. Rabbi Yochanan said, it is like the fine linen garment that comes from Beth Sheon. If they become blackened, even slightly, they're completely ruined. But with regard to those coarse linen garments that come from Arbel, how much are they worth and what is their value? Therefore, if they are slightly blackened, they're not ruined. Similarly, a sin committed by a scholar is worse than one committed by an ordinary person. So it says in the footnotes, For even a small sin committed by a scholar will tarnish his record due to his lofty stature. Thus, whereas Rob's teachings show that a scholar is held more accountable than an ordinary person due to his superior knowledge of the law, Rabbi Yochanan's teaching shows that even if both sin knowingly, the scholar's punishment is greater because his, his sin inflicts more damage. The scholar who sins inflicts more damage than the person who sins and is not a scholar because for obvious reasons, everybody is looking up to him. Eve, when she was being led astray by the serpent, she was being led astray because, precisely because she wanted to be like God. She wanted all of the things that God had, but she, at the end of the day, she didn't really want the responsibility. She just wanted what God had. It says here in the, in the uh, Midrash that anger and jealousy and arrogance was the root of the serpent. And it's the root of all of us as well who seek after sin. It says, he said to the woman, did perhaps God say you should not eat of any tree of the garden? The word perhaps there is the Hebrew word af. It says, Rabbi Hanina ben Sansa said, there were four people who opened their statement with the word af. And subsequently were ruined through anger. And these are they, the serpent, the chamberlain of the bakers of Pharaoh, who was imprisoned with Joseph, the assembly of Korach, and Haman. The serpent, as it says in our verse, he said to the woman, did perhaps God say, the chamberlain of the bakers, as it says also, af, 
I in my dream. The assembly of Korach, as it says, moreover, off, you do not bring us to the land. And Haman, as it says, moreover, off, Queen Esther brought me, uh, brought no one but myself. It says in the footnotes that the word off means anger, but it also means jealousy, and it can insinuate arrogance. Anger, jealousy, and arrogance. We've got to be careful that our, our wisdom and our learning doesn't lead us to be haughty and arrogant. It doesn't lead us to have jealousy for somebody else. It doesn't lead us to have an angry spirit. That happens to a lot of people. We learn things and then we get mad because we didn't know it until now or we feel like somebody lied to us or what have you. God brought you to wisdom not so that you could be arrogant or angry, but so that you could help somebody and help yourself. And in fact, it says here that the very word for jealousy in Hebrew is kinaf, or kinas, lika, which is an acronym of these four individuals. Korach, Nachash, Ophim, and Haman. Korach, the serpent, the baker, and Haman, the acronym of the first letter of their names, make the word jealousy. It says that the serpent was jealous of the woman. The serpent was jealous of the woman. Some say the serpent was jealous of Adam and wanted the woman for his own self. And his idea was that if he tricked the woman that he could, he could kill Adam. His idea, some of the comments have said that one of the ideas of the serpent was if I can, it, Adam was commanded not to eat of the tree, not the woman. Therefore, if I can get him to eat, then he'll die and she won't. The question becomes, where was Adam? We had this discussion about where was Adam. The Midrash Rabbah brings down Adam's locale. It says, the Holy One, blessed be he, took Adam around the entire world, saying to him, here's an area that is good for planting, here's an area that's good for sowing. In other words, Adam, while this was going on, uh, Hasatan, cursed be he, took the opportunity while Adam was away. Adam was around the world doing what he was supposed to be doing, evidently, determining where mankind was going to inhabit the world and where it was not. And meanwhile, he left his wife exposed. I think this is a good life lesson that men have to be involved. Can't be checked out. You have to be involved spiritually. A lot of men here, I'm kind of speaking, speaking rather to the Levitical choir here, but because we have a lot of men involvement, and the synagogue is very much men-led, which is fantastic. But men have to be involved. You have to be involved spiritually in your walk. And the women have to be involved as well in the rightful place. One of the cautions for women is that in a, there's jealousy that erupts on both sides of the sexes. In a congregation where you have mostly women, the women lament. Where is the men? Where is the men? Sometimes congregations are led by women because there's no man who's man enough to lead. And then what happens sometimes when men are men enough to lead, the women say, how come the women aren't leading? It's all jealousy. You have to be careful. 
couple more ideas here. Don't be overly stringent. This is one of the ideas of learning too much. Boy, this has happened to people. Of the fruit of the tree which is in the center of the garden, God has said, you shall neither eat of it nor touch it, lest you die. One of the ideas of the serpent that the, uh, Eve had rather was that Adam had said to her that you're not even supposed to touch the tree. He had set up the first rabbinical fence. You're not supposed to eat it, so therefore don't touch it. She evidently got confused and thought that that was God who said, don't touch it. In other words, she did not make the distinction between written law and rabbinical law, which at this time it was all oral law, but I digress. And so she told the serpent, God said, don't even touch it. So the serpent said, no, see, because the serpent knows what God said. So his trick was when she was walking by the tree, he pushed her into the tree. And when she touched the tree and realized that she didn't die, he said, now, you see that God was lying to you, Hasve Shalom. He said, if you touched the tree, you wouldn't die. But now you've touched the tree. So therefore, when you eat the fruit, you won't die either. It's all a lie. And he said, the reason he doesn't want you to eat this fruit is because God himself ate this fruit, which is how he became God. And a craftsman doesn't like to have other craftsmen in their shop. So he doesn't want you to become a god too. You eat this tree, you'll become god. Some type people want to eat of the tree of knowledge of, uh, uh, so that they themselves can become gods. Some people want to eat of the tree of knowledge so that they can have a YouTube channel. So that they... I've seen this before. You see people that want to be in leadership, they, they, in, 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 the, in the military sense, they see all the pomp and circumstance of the leader. They want to be that one. They want to wear that, that jacket that has the gold bullion on it, and, the, and, the, uh, and, and they want to have the rank. And they want people to say, good morning, sir. And they want to say, good morning. They want all that, but they don't understand what comes with that. They want all of that. They want to walk around. They want to ride around on the proverbial horse and be saluted, but they don't want to stay up till, the, till dawn working on behalf of the organization or whatever it is that is in leadership. And she wanted the tree, so he pushed her into it and said, see, you're not going to die. So regarding this, it is written, do not add to this word lest he reprove, reprove, reprove you and you'll be disproven, Proverbs 30, verse 6. Rabbi Hiya taught. Now, I want to stop here and say that one of the slanderous things it said about rabbinical Judaism is that rabbis add to the Torah. That's a, that's a slander that said that, that, that we violate the law by adding to it. That's not true at all. Because within Pharisaical Judaism that, the, that Yeshua belonged to, there is a distinction made between rabbinical law and written law. Always has been. And I want to point out that what I'm reading here is from a book of the rabbis. Think, let that set in for a second. The rabbis here are saying, don't make laws that you add to the Torah. Let me say that again because I just went... Some of y'all still thinking about Doogie Howser the pilot. I would never get on that plane. But you click the YouTube channel. I mean, I don't, 
the rabbis who make rabbinical law are writing in their book, if you will, not to make laws that add to the written Torah. So much for the argument that the rabbis added the written Torah. No, we know. We're just we're, we're telling ourselves, don't do that. It says here, regarding that is written, do not add to his word, lest you be reproved and disproven. Rabbi Heya said, this can be understood with a parable. Do not make the fence greater or higher than the main object, such as the saplings that it's meant to protect, lest it fall and cut down the sapling. Don't, there's the message here. Don't be overly stringent. The woman failed to make the distinction. The woman failed to say, God said don't eat it, therefore my husband said don't touch it. Don't even touch it. She failed to make the distinction because she became overly stringent and therefore fell into the trap of actually partaking of it. This is the... This is the the paradox, that the person who becomes overly stringent will eventually fall into the very sin they're trying not to fall into. That's the paradox. And that's why, my friends, I've said for years that on rare occasion, and thank God it's rare, but it has happened a couple of times, and it's unfortunate, there's people who come here, they don't know anything. They learn what Torah means, they learn what seat seat are. They learn what a talit is. They buy a siddur and, and, and a humash. They learn artscroll.com. They didn't know any of that six months ago or three months ago sometimes. Then they come in here and they're like, Rabbi, we've surpassed you. My friends... I have forgotten more Torah references. I mean, there's, there's so much out there to learn. It's impossible. I couldn't surpass myself. <laughs> and then you see, they go, you know, I, I just realized I want to be more orthodox. They can't even say orthodox right. <laughs> I want to be more orthodox. Okay, what does that mean? I'm not going to drive on Shabbat. No TV, no internet on the Sabbath. Everything in my house is going to I'm just, you know, I'm just going to go super stringent. I'm going to go draw, I'm going to go pay it out to my ankles. My, I'm going to throw my seat seat over my shoulder when I walk down the street. I'm going to go super stringent. I just, y'all are not, you're not observant enough for me. I've, I've had these conversations. What I've said gently is don't do that. And then you, you find out a few months later, if, if, that, if, if it lasts that long, next thing you know, they're at the state fair eating a corny dog wearing shorts on the Sabbath. And they drove there. Now you're asking, you're thinking to yourself, that is crazy, Rabbi. You are insane. There's no way. Yes, there is. There, that is what happens when you make your fence into an electrified razor, brick wall, iron, 30-foot tall tower with a gun on top. That's what happens. You're trying to protect a sapling, and you build Fort Knox around it. 
and you think to yourself, I'm really righteous. But in reality, in reality you are led into sin. We have to understand something. That this is the important part of this entire portion. There's so much to be learned from chapter 3. We're out of time. We haven't even, we haven't even scratched the surface. I know, it's, it's crazy. Things happen. But the two lessons from chapter 3 is that, number one, we have to gain knowledge for the sake of Hashem and His kingdom. Number two, that when we gain this knowledge, we should not become angry, angry or arrogant or jealous. Number three, we have to understand that every mitzvah counts. And one of the most important mitzvahs of all is what we eat. Why that's the case, I don't know. Only God knows. He could have given us lots of mitzvahs. You know what? The very first mitzvah he could have said if he thought it was the most important was, Adam, Eve, yes, sir, first thing first, have faith. We don't read about faith until 18 chapters later. So obviously, God's like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, anyway, first of all, don't eat of the tree. Let's start with that. Faith will come later. Don't eat of the tree. Right? Don't we tell our children, don't disobey what I say. What, what's faith got to do with it? Unless we say, don't do this, believe that. I mean, what are we going to say? I mean, <laughs> number four, don't be too, too stringent. Our halakha here is enough, trust me. Okay? There's no super juice here. You don't get extra credit. Rabbi, behold, your tzitzit are 12 inches long. Mine are three feet. I'm just saying. People say, I'm going to say I'm not going to drive on Shabbat. They're at home. And the wife and kids are like, this is great, honey. Thank you. Gather around the church. I just learned Torah six months ago. Children, gather around and let me teach you. No thanks, Doogie. We're going to take the... We're going to take the aircraft where there's an experienced pilot who's got stripes on his little thing because he's flown this thing before. But hey, what do I know? What do I know? Baruch Abba Adonai.